It's July the 12th, 2014, and this is 508 A Show About Worcester. I'm Mike Benedetti. Also on the show today is Brendan Milliken. How's it going? It's going okay. We're here in the beautiful Winslow Park at the corner of Winslow and Pleasant Street in Worcester. It's a nice, it's a nice summer evening here. This park is this park is a nice park. It's not very well populated right now. It depends on it depends on the time of day. There's times when the park is a little on the crowded side. The park is still never gets the kind of use you would think. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, we can go into that another show. Sure. Um, it's been a couple months since we did a show. Sorry about that. It's okay. I also want to apologize to the people at home. I know you really missed watching this show. Um, a ton of stuff happened. It was like the busiest two <laughs> news months in Worcester of all time. Um, and so it's definitely more than one show's worth of stuff. It's about ten shows worth of stuff. Yes. Uh, in the coming weeks, we will have more shows where we bring you exciting guests in exciting locations. Today is going to be a little bit like an editorial meeting of 508, so super compelling stuff. Uh, I just want to talk about some different topics that we may want to talk about in the next couple months and think think them through. Or we're gonna, not. We're going to be thinking things through aloud think, on today's think show. Think things through. Uh, how, are you, how are you enjoying your summer? In so far, so good. The summer's actually been gorgeous, right after a pretty grim spring. Lots of rain, kind of cold and whatnot. I mean, mm-hmm. the last couple weeks have been absolutely amazing. Not much to complain about. It's good weather. Yeah. The first, the first thing of the ten things I have on here is cuts of the Telegram and Gazette. They happened. We had, uh, I guess, a few dozen people mm-hmm. cut from the TNG. Again, we're not going to even cover these. This is such a meta show. Yeah. Um, and it's been interesting to try to follow the fates of the Telegram and Gazette in recent years. For a few years, I used to be really interested in the Auto Bureau of Circulation, circulation statistics, mm-hmm. until I realized that they changed their measurement system so much from circulation period to circulation period you really I don't think you could really in good conscience compare them or at least I didn't learn anything basically I just learned like based on the way that they've rejiggered the stats or the way they're going to count circulation the telegram now is more or less in the circulation than it did six months ago but that's just based on because they keep changing the formula very frustrating uh so it's been fascinating seeing like a bunch of financial and circulation data come out of the TNG from it's being sold and then resold in recent months. I think that the piece of information I want to try to figure out about the TNG is has this really had has this had an impact on the end news consumer? Because um, when you see a list of people and you see that Leah Lampson and all these other people were like go from the paper. As a person at home, it's hard to figure out what impact that has. If you worked for the Telegram, I'm sure you would have a very clear idea what it was. But as a consumer, it's hard to figure that out. So I think I think for the next week, I need to look at the content of the paper. I think I need to be buying the physical paper and use that as a yardstick <laughs> and see what makes because there's a ton of stuff that makes it into their website and whatever. Based on what's in the physical paper, I think what you should is actually buy the paper like? and actually use it as a yardstick. You should actually use it as a measuring device. You should measure the paper and use that as your primary form of measurement from here on out. No, telegramming is that. I have to confess, even though I sit here on television and on YouTube and tell, pretend like I know something about the Telegram, I don't even know the physical dimensions. I don't know the dimensions of it at all. So there's a lot we can learn about the paper <laughs> this week. Start buying that again. Um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check that off of our list for today, unless you got a, a comment about this. No, no, I think it's valid. Because, I mean, it's, uh, it, it, yes, I mean, on both sides, too. You mentioned the circulation uh, data, and I think that is something that's always in flux because it, there's obviously a heavy uh, number of people that are using the paper online yes. uh, and aren't necessarily uh, subscription customers um, using their free articles and what have you right. and yeah I mean at the end of the day I mean there, there's there's certainly something to be said for uh, talent institutional knowledge and whatnot uh, involved uh, in a paper but that doesn't necessarily mean that the talent and the uh, institutional knowledge that was there is what was providing solid news and 
probably dig a little bit further and find out whether or not we've had solid news to begin with. We will, like we will do that digging. Another thing that came out the last couple months is push for a strong mayor. You know, you know this, Brendan. I don't have to tell you this. Probably the viewer at home knows this also, that in Worcester we have a system where the city council who are elected themselves hire a city manager who is the executive of the city, yes. who runs the city. Uh, we have this, I've had this for a long time, I guess as an anti-corruption thing is why we have this? Yeah, I mean the plenty form of government go, kind of goes back to the progressive era and it, it wasn't just about corruption. I mean the idea was to more or less um, use technocrats to uh, streamline uh, government, right? I mean, so mm -hmm. that you wouldn't have the political pull being the primary driver of government, but you would have, uh, you know, critical thinking and, you know, data being the driver of government. It's probably an argument to be made that uh, that aspect of the planning form of government never actually made its way, that, that particular memo never made its way to Worcester. Um, and we have had a system that's probably not too much different for, than if we had a mayor, right? I mean, we. The last couple city managers that we have have essentially set their own agenda uh, and done yes. their own thing. Uh, if you're going to have a city, ma a planning form of government, the idea would be to have a strong city council that would put forth an agenda for a manager and whether there was disagreement there that would pass itself out or whatnot. But the idea was you were just removing that one political component that would be the driving force behind government being a mayor who could kind of use political muscle or capital to uh, drive his own agenda, his or her own agenda, as opposed to a collective body. So these days, what with our, us having a temporary city manager right now, city manager who says he doesn't want to keep doing the job past the nine months or whatever he said he would do it, people, some pe people who have been pushing for the strong mayor thing are pushing for the strong mayor thing again, the most credible push in a few years. I am skeptical. I, I used to think that the strong mayor was a great idea. Now I think it's not particularly a great idea. I think maybe formulating that argument is homework I could do yeah, before no, we mean, do a show I've about I've that. I've always loved the idea of a strong marriage just because it seems to be the most pure exercise in democracy that you can have within yeah. the constraints of our form of government, like a representative democracy. But again, with the council that we have, I mean, it, it, you could probably make an argument that would be the worst thing that could possibly happen. If you have a group of people that don't have the ability to put forth an agenda for the person that they actually hired, how could you have that same group of people then have the uh, fortitude to stand up and do the right thing for the potential of a powerful mayor who might not necessarily be acting in the best uh, interests of the city? To be honest, I think it's one of those things that is now starting to come up only when people have nothing left to talk about. And th at the end of the day, the really interesting thing is that the council could just vote for a charter change and push that off to the, uh, the, the state legislature to change our charter using a home rule petition. So we wouldn't even have to have a local no, we, vote uh, besides the city council? We create the, the drama around the whole thing to almost as like a marketing campaign to get people all amped up about it. If the, if the city actually wanted to do it, you could just do it through the city council. Another thing to talk about is state races. We have a state government, Brenda. We do have a state government. Still. Yes. Located in Boston, I, until the tide waters. I thought it was in, in Springfield. I'm Once, thinking of Illinois. I'm, I'm actually starting to make a pitch. This is an aside, and I apologize for that. I'm starting to make a pitch that, uh, resulting from so climate change, right? Sea sure. levels are going to rise. Boston's Boston. Gone. Boston is done. Not Boston, Boston not, is not, not going to be option. a viable place to run state government unless it's on board a hovercraft or, or what have you, or something. Sort of, be like hey, undersea base. It could be an undersea. <laughs> yes, very possible. SpongeBob could be a governor. I think it's actually time, forget the, the strong mayor stuff, the city of Worcester needs to be positioning itself to be the new state capital once Boston is no longer a geographically viable place for state government to be Worcester, seated. here's the slogan, Worcester, we're on land. <laughs> Those hills are going to come in handy within our lifetimes and we should put them to good use. Building a new government on solid ground. <laughs>
go. That's how. See? That's what it's going to be. So people are running for state races. We never really cover the state races on this show, partially because I I don't understand state government. I'm not sure. You know, I never know what the right narrative is. I never know what the right lens is to view state government. Yeah. And partially because I feel like it's outside of our purview of being a show about Worcester. Yeah, well, I mean, it's our, our state races that we have locally are, are immensely important, right? I mean, you've got a, a state senator, Harry uh, Chandler, who is facing a, well, a primary challenge and then a Republican challenger. You've got two contested primaries for sitting state reps, Dan Dunyu over in uh, John Frizzolo's former seat up on Graf- uh, the Grafton Hill area, mm-hmm. and then um, Mary Keith uh, being challenged by current city councilor uh, Phil Palmieri uh, for her seat, which essentially starts in this corner of the city and runs up through the east side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, they should be incredibly important races for people to keep an eye on, but I, I kind of agree with you. I almost feel as though we've ignored them, and a lot of it is just, I don't think, they almost have the appearance locally of being just uh, an extra uh, district city councilor race. Like, they're not really the sexiest races to follow. Yeah. They, they don't bring in a lot of money, they don't bring in a lot of attention, and uh, the campaigns tend to stay very, very low-key. I mean, right now you would think that people would be out there, and I know they are out there actually knocking on doors, but uh, the visibility is kind of low for those of us who aren't necessarily on the other side of those doors that are being knocked. So it's hard yes. to really get a sense of what's going on. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Well, that would, to the extent that we would ever cover this, I feel like my homework would be to try to figure out what would be the issues to talk about. Yep. Like, just as we do with city council races, we perversely decide to focus on the issues, despite the fact that I think not a lot of people vote on issues in that. I don't know if they vote on issues in state races any more than they do in city council or not. Other parts of the state, they do, and again, that's it's probably where the. If we were to have a conversation about that, that's probably the stuff that we should be looking at. I mean, you're talking about the people that are involved with uh, the education funding models that come back to the city in, in terms of funding. I mean, most of the state, the city funds that originate with the state, uh, those are the folks that should be lobbying for them. Uh, mm-hmm. Knowing what they stand for, uh, what issues are important to them, would seem to be immensely important for all of us uh, here considering that we are still part of the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Um, Soon to be. <laughs> the capital. Of capital. The capital city. You know, I want to hear, I want to hear this, like, you know, in the next political commission when they're like, and now, from your next capital, Worcester, Massachusetts, Brendan Milliken. There it is. I want to hear this. Uh, panhandling, there's been a little bit of uh, stuff going on vis-a-vis panhandling in the courts. You know, Worcester, we had our... Uh, Boy, a year and a half ago, we had our, our new uh, anti-panhandling uh, ordinances come in, and they've definitely kept people from doing, like, fundraising, like Cub Scouts and things from doing fundraising on street corners. I don't know if the Cub Scouts ever did that. Other school kids did. Uh, still, panhandlers, I think we're sooner or later we'll get some statistics of whether or not the number of people standing on a street holding the sign has gone up or down. I feel like anecdotally, it probably depends on which street corners you pass. There's some weekends where it seems like there's a million guys. The other day, actually, it was very funny. I was walking across, I was walking across Lincoln Square, right in front of the police station, mm-hmm. and as I was standing on the median, there was a dude on the median holding a sign that said, you know, homeless, hungry, looking yeah. for work, whatever it said. And as I was standing there, waiting for the light to change for me to go from the median to the next spot, a cop pulled up and got the guy to get out of there so it is still like an actual thing that at times i mean the median is like a very clear like you can't just stand on the median right. and hang out but it still is being enforced and there's still the number of panhandlers is presumably going up or down one direction or another i'm sure every issue facing the city of worcester has uh, been solved as a result of this panhandling ordinance and i look forward to seeing the data come i don't forth. know one thing i need to do is i need to go in front of, i feel like once the statistics come out Part of me thinks this would be being a jerk, and part of it not, is to go in front of the city council and just, because I spoke in front of them so many times before this, just make some sort of comment vis-a-vis how many panhandlers there are. Like, 
if it hasn't impacted them, I could just I should really go up there and be like, you know what? I was really concerned how this was going to impact. Like, you were saying this is about public safety. I was saying this is probably about trying to hassle a certain class of poor people. Sure. Yeah. It's, apparently, it's not hassling them. It is keeping kids from like theoretically getting hit by a car while raising money for a school trip. And they were kind of annoying to begin with. So maybe there is a maybe. Net, maybe it's a net positive. Right? Maybe I'm crazy to think that this is a problem. <laughs> anyway, um, drones is another one. Drones are awesome. There's people with drones, yeah. civilian drones in the city now. You yeah. can look at these YouTubes. They're crashing sweet. them into Kelly Square. Crashing them into Kelly Square. Um, there has been some chatter heard on the police band vis-a-vis drones. Not clear. I think it. I think it. I think it potentially involves these civilian drones. Okay. It potentially involves some sort of official drones, but I don't want to contribute to any kind of rumor around this. No, that would seem that would be irresponsible. Because everything that I've heard makes me think that there's probably police chatter about civilian drones. Yeah. But the fact that there's civilian drones around, it sort of makes me feel like there's got to be some kind of some kind of drones from some bigger organizations. Rather there's got to be something somewhere, right? I mean, it's a big sky. Corporate drones, I non-profit that, drones. I actually hope that if the Worcester Police Department goes aerial, that they start with like a nice kite or something, something low. Just low tech. Don't go. Don't jump feet first right in. Police kites. You've already got people that seem to know what they're doing, crashing them into very busy intersections. It's, you just take it slow. All right. Well, drones is an exciting. <laughs> I feel like drones is a topic that's so much in the air nowadays. That's, that, was, that was an excellent pun, sorry guys. Um, South Worcester Industrial Park. Still there. You know, it's, but there, you, have you followed that there's been some changes with this South Worcester Industrial Park? I don't buy it. Let me know when it's completed. Well, this is, a, this is an actual thing, is that, um, so the South Worcester Industrial Park, boy, we did a show there. It's hard to describe where it is. It's off of Southbridge Street? Uh, yeah, is the it? Cambridge Street, Southbridge Street area where it kind of intersects. It's uh, Canterbury Street. Okay. Yeah. It's like an area that you don't really think what about what's there because there's nothing there. Yeah. It's just a bunch of vacant lots. The city has been trying to deal with this place for like almost 20 years now. Nicole Apostle had an amazing blog post a few years ago talking about how the Telegramming uh-huh. Gazette every 18 months or so would have an article saying, Ah, the South Worcester Industrial Park. Finally something's happened. Like clockwork. Finally something's happening. So we'll say here today, finally something's happening with the South Worcester Industrial Park. The city has decided to go ahead and reclassify it to some sort of economic development zone or something like that, which basically means that they no longer have to have like a big public bidding process in order to sell the South Worcester Industrial Park to somebody. Well, I think it means that we could go up and just talk to the city manager and be like, "Listen, I think we should do that. Listen, I got eight dollars here. I could get more. Yeah, listen, that's that could be our new studio." I mean, that would be a more economic development than is currently taking place. It would be a large studio. That show was actually a lot of fun. That was a, a, yeah. It was educational. It's educational to go to these places. Yeah. Um, anyway, I think, that, I think that that's a change. Uh, I think that's sort of like the... Um, it would make a great paintball course. I feel like sort of like the marketing, th- the marketing thing, the, uh, the way to make... The, the thing that people would say to make it credible that it's a new era is to say that this is the same status that I think was used to get Gateway Park yeah. built. Okay. When Gateway Park is this thing that was used to be a vacant lot and now is like some kind of WPI-related office big thing. park. Yeah. Adjacent to kind of near downtown, yeah. adjacent to WPI. 
So this is a similar, similar, similar deal they're going to try to do with Southwestern Industrial Park to get something there rather than a vacant lot. That makes sense. I mean, but I think it, you know we also have to remember too that there was actually a company that owned it for a while, and that company has gone off to be one of the largest manufacturers of edible products in the medical marijuana uh, industry. Uh, you know, Pharmasphere. Pharmasphere. How is Pharmasphere? So Pharmasphere had bid a dollar for it because they were going to so, grow yeah. an industrial. I mean, think about that. Eight, yes, right. You get eight dollars. All they had was I could, one. I could buy this whole city for eight dollars. You're the Brandon. future of Worcester, the new, the new state capital. <laughs> they had. A, they you were going to name gonna, the streets after you, Mike Benedetti. They're going to name the streets for every letter of my name. That's how many streets <laughs> I'm going to own. They, uh, they were going to grow industrial petunias. Uh, periwinkles. Periwinkles. They're going to have because there's some sort of drug they were supposedly going to get from periwinkles. Well, that's what they told the city that they were doing. But I mean, since then they've gone on to with a bunch of mergers to become a company known as Medical Marijuana LLC, and their attention is uh, is elsewhere. But I think what it was, we've talked about this before. It, it seems as though that they thought Massachusetts was going to be further along in terms of uh, passing regulation uh, allowing for medical marijuana than, it, and we actually were. And mm -hmm. uh, you know we're. I mean, we're still probably in the first 50% of states to do so, but a little bit slower to get to that point. And it seems like they were trying to get into Massachusetts before that happened, and since moved back to uh, San Diego, I believe is where they're based now. And yeah, it's a huge, huge company now. Could have been right here. Could have been the home of medical marijuana. Well, it's not. It's not the city. The city did not stand in the way of them doing that. They just decided not to do it, right? Well, I mean, it was, I guess technically the state and we did by not passing laws legalizing medical earlier, marijuana right. earlier. See yeah. this periwinkle thing, which is kind of a bait and switch. Well, I mean, maybe maybe there was money to be had in periwinkles, but uh, from what I'm reading, there is more money to be had in legalized marijuana. marijuana. Well, Brandon, Call me a cynic. I feel like it's a new era for the Southwestern Industrial Park. Could I just be. want to go on record as saying that. Eight dollars. Eight dollars. You know, the city has. I don't know. You know, we get cynical and we get frustrated with things like the ice rink, city square. These things do happen eventually. Where's the ice rink? Is that behind happen? City Hall? Oh, that ice rink. That I think meant the, 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 when we were talking about the big uh, indoor skating. The one, thing. the okay. one that we're going to take the, the library park. Yeah, no, the oval is actually there with yeah. decent music. It's a good spot. Yeah. Marijuana is the next thing on my list. Oh, cool. Where are we? Where did? Where are we with marijuana these days? Us, you mean you? Not and, you. And, I know we're in the same no, place we were always. Where the, is the city? Where the, is the state? The city. So it's interesting, actually. The city is not uh, currently uh, going to get a uh, license. Um, a company from Colorado called Good Chemistry had been uh, initially awarded a, a license to operate in the city of Worcester. Right. Uh, they had. We did up, a show from the place they were going to be. Yeah, exactly. And they screwed up a bunch of their paperwork. We discussed that on the show. They made right. some errors on their the paperwork, and and they the state probably made. I, I think in the end, what it'll, it'll end up being the right call was they you know pushed them out of the running because of the errors. And the errors were simple. It's probably nothing that really should have hurt them, uh, the company, but if you want to give the impression that you're doing things the right way you got to do things the right, the right way, way. Um, so yeah the state is still working on their guidelines and uh, I don't know hopefully sometime uh, this decade uh, that will come about I mean to be perfectly frank it, it seems like the state is going to be lined up for another ballot question uh, at the earliest and likely uh, 2016 uh, to coincide with the presidential race to fully legalize to, you know uh, legalize recreational marijuana in the state so the way things are going, I mean, it's possible that we might only have medical marijuana for a, a year before uh, full retail uh, marijuana uh, starts hitting hmm. the streets. But 
But we're not getting a we're not going to get a dispensary in Worcester anytime soon. It doesn't seem that way. I, I have not heard otherwise, but I've been wrong before. I've seen a lot of head shops popping up over Everywhere. the last six six to nine months. And I think a lot of it is a combination of this stuff, the e-cigarette uh, things, where there's a big market there, and then also uh, you know glassware and vaporizers and whatnot for plant material on the medical marijuana side, mm-hmm. just preparing for that. Because even if we don't have a dispensary, I mean, you'll, you'll still be able to get licensed to be a user of medical marijuana, and you can get licensed as a caregiver, which would mean that you could grow, uh, you know, inside your home or whatnot for for a patient. So there oh, still okay. will be an industry in the city. In the city, will be doing... it just won't probably be of the scale that people were expecting initially. What would be the closest dispensary to Worcester? Then? That's that's a great question. I'd have to look into that. I believe there is there is I believe there's one in Worcester County, but I'm not entirely sure. Um, but yeah, right. I, I don't want to. I want to give false information. We have to we'll look, look, we have to that. look that up. Yeah. You know, I'm not a marijuana user, but this marijuana is like one of these issues that it just seems like for 20 years it's just been like, when are we just going to get our act together and try to do something more sane around this drug? No, yeah, and it's, it's finally, it seems like it's happening. Yeah, it's, you know, I'm actually starting to get really bummed out while it's happening. It's because, I mean, I remember being in high school. And I mean, I've always been, as long as it's been an issue, uh, and going back in the 90s, a, a huge proponent of full decriminalization of marijuana. I mean, the medical, I think, is a nice starting point, and, but the, the, I think that the only thing on a long enough timeline is just ending prohibition. Prohibition doesn't work. I, right. Personally, I would go take it a step further and say the entire war on drugs needs to be rethought from a, a practical perspective. But I mean, for the marijuana issue, I've, I've always been a huge fan of just straight up decriminalization. Now that it seems like, you know, you look at polling, uh, it, it seems like everybody on the planet, you know, under the age of 60 is in favor of full de- decriminalization. Um, I mean, mo- almost, you know, the states that are, are allowing uh, medical, at least, are, are just, you know, racking up one after, the another, one after another. It seems like everybody's on the same page now, without, with the exception of a handful of, like, teetotalers that, in many cases, also believe that alcohol prohibition should never have been ended. Yet stuff is happening so slow on the government side that I'm, I'm starting to get kind of bummed out and cynical about the whole thing it's like how much of a con- like what actually defines a consensus anymore where you actually move forward with something that you know on the science side people say yep yeah, no, no problem there and then on the public side you bring it on and then government just stands in the middle seemingly insanely confused about how to go about doing something it's like just, just do it it's one of these it's, it seems like it's one of these issues where I would say now the people who are in favor of prohibition are probably a minority for sure, right? On the marijuana side or yeah. in general? Yeah, well, yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, it's now a minority of the overall nationwide and, and depending on the state that you're in or the, or the demographic of the city and whatnot. I mean, there, there's definitely right. some, some changes in those numbers. But nationwide, the majority of the country is now in favor of decriminalization and or even, at least starting with the medical right. side. And even among voters, we've seen people voting for in favor of medical marijuana. Yeah. Well, in the state. And the, the really cool thing to watch, too, and I think it's it's typical because the majority of people who are voting age and be polled about such thing are, are now people who they themselves went through, like, D.A.R.E. programs and whatnot, and right. had hammered into your head the idea that this was an awful thing that you, know, you, should, you should be shamed for. What's Keeping that in mind, the most interesting thing is watching how when a state passes a law like medical marijuana or, or whatnot, the polling numbers in favor go through the roof. Right. The stigma attached to the drugs, the seems to be the thing that actually keeps people from acknowledging they're actually in favor of supporting it. And that that does seem to be one of the things that's like just slowing down the just opening the floodgates sort of thing because I think there's still a segment of the population that closeted 
totally in favor of, uh, of decriminalization, uh, but are waiting for some sign from the outside world to make sure that it's okay to say that, that you know, the police aren't going to show up and sack you because you're in favor of changing a silly law. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I'm sure and most too, police, I think, are in favor of changing the silly yeah. law. I'm sure, too, it's the kind of the thing like, I mean, it's something like something like uh, same-sex marriage where people were say, well, this is going to happen and that's going to happen and society's going to fall apart. And then you see in this state, you know, Here between, <laughs> you know, we live in Worcester. We could argue that it's fallen apart to a certain extent, but is it because of same-sex marriage? I don't same think there's any... Same-sex marriage is the reason South Worcester Industrial Park is yet to be sold. No, I mean, of There's course no change it's... from, you know, we, we legalized same-sex marriage in 2004, yeah. and is there something that happened between 2003 and 2005 you that just we can wait, point Mike to <laughs> and say, there it is, this is when everything went to hell? No, and no. Know, it, it, it does take, I think, something, you know, the... the, the the dam just doesn't open up, right? I mean, I think you need a little crack and some water to flow through before people realize, oh well, yeah, that isn't so. That isn't so bad after all. The people right. on on the talking heads on TV were lying to me yeah. um, to, to get to that point. I can understand people. But it is feeling frustrating. Like, I think is yeah. I can understand people feeling like, you know, maybe maybe people hearing an argument in favor of marijuana decriminalization and saying, yeah, but do we want to take that risk? But then once you see another state like Colorado or whatever take that risk. Then I think that same person looks at it and says, "All right, well, you're right. Like my fears maybe are not grounded." Yeah, no. We're, and, and you look at Colorado, and their their biggest problem right now is they don't know what to do with all of this cash because of weird banking regulations that still make it difficult. Although it's changing slowly to actually deposit that money in federal federally insured banks and whatnot. We need to go down there with some paperwork about the South Worcester Industrial Park. We can store all the money at the South Worcester Industrial Park. Somebody can buy it. Yeah. Maybe I just bet you this. Store, just a big cash storage facility for Colorado weed money i haven't looked into this into this like whole economic development zone all the ins and the outs of it besides that it will let you just buy stuff from the city manager without a public bidding but i bet you it also would let people buy stuff with just a suitcase full of cash and rather than going through whatever other hoops and things that that might make sense if so yeah this is our solution we got a couple more things uh vegetarian food uh people are working on this uh vegan restaurant in worcester called chickpea uh, they have a sort of a pop-up type situation mm. where they're inside of uh, uh, Spiritual Haze, the uh, hookah bar, uh, right now in the afternoons, and they're looking to get their own space. There's another vegetarian restaurant that was, today I heard, maybe not going to be opening up in Main South sometime soon, but there's multiple people who are like really seriously trying to open up additional vegetarian restaurants in Worcester. You know what I'm most excited about with chickpea? What? Is people have been talking to me about this concept now for it's probably been like a year or so that like I've been here people have been talking to me about it been hearing people right. talking about it and yet at no point have I ever stopped anyone to actually ask and to explain what it is that they're actually doing so Julia if you're watching next time we see each other it's probably a, at the a, gym or whatnot like just a, explain to me what the whole what you actually have going on because it's that, a cafe well which makes perfect sense right but I just I I, people, I I always find myself a part of a conversation about something that I don't actually know what is taking place and that's continuing right now on the show this is a homework we're giving to Julia Cohen explain Brendan over the next week explain to Brendan about doesn't have to be over the next week just some point in time alright thank you uh, the last thing I want to talk about is makerspaces I just got some emails this week about people doing uh, makerspace projects at a WPI you know we talked about makerspaces and co-working a little bit on the show yeah. I think the only co-working space 
we ever featured on the show was one in Nairobi, Kenya. Yeah. So we should probably go visit some of these maker spaces yeah, and co-working totally. spaces in the next couple of months. Yeah, the co-working in particular, too, man. The, the conversations that seem to be happening more frequently now on places like Reddit and whatnot uh, about all of the co-working, the professional co-working spaces in Boston mm-hmm. and how they are, are starting to redefine what it means to be a company and you know not actually going out and renting offices, but just letting a corporation build inside of uh, co-working spaces and whatnot. Yeah. It just, I know these places do exist around here, but it seems like it's something that should be better advertised. I would probably put that on the sort of thing that maybe the city council and the manager's office should be talking about more or letting you know potential entrepreneurs in the city know that these things actually exist and are there as resources but maybe you and I can pick up the slack and uh, do a better job of informing both myself and the rest of the city about what is going on in all of these spots. Maybe we can. You know um, co-working spaces kind of remind me any of these things remind me of these other things where somebody is taking a large capital item like an office and then subdividing it and sharing it. Another example would be Uber and these sort of like, uh, you know, Airbnb, you know, people know what Uber is, which is where you use your phone to like basically get a gypsy cab. Uh, Airbnb, which is, you know, where you use the internet to help you rent a room in somebody's house. Um, all of these things, you know, somewhat following afoul of local regulations, but also somewhat being the next wave. Yeah. I was really struck, I mean, I know so many people have used Airbnb. It seems like such a great thing. Um, I'm aware of at least one mayor who, when visiting Worcester for the Democratic State Convention uh, last month, mm-hmm. was staying in Worcester via vis-a-vis, via Airbnb. You mentioned that. Did you find out who it was yet? What town? Oh, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna rat this mayor out okay. because I, I feel like you're possibly violating some sort of lodging law or something. <laughs> I just want to say, and that is awesome. Yeah, no, totally cool. I, when you told me that, I was kind of blown away because I mean, yeah, you think hotel room or whatnot, but that. Yeah. Why don't we do th- more things like that? And I think the reason more people don't do things like that is because they don't know that they exist, right? I mean, that's once that conversation becomes the norm. But I mean, you, you and I have been talking about things like co-working spaces, it seems like, for years on the show. But yeah. the reality of the, them existing in parallel to the average person who goes to an office every day, if you go to an office every day, next time you're sitting under those fluorescent lights, ask yourself what the hell you're doing in that office, right? I mean, you could be closer, to, 40 miles closer to home instead of driving to Boston every day or whatever the case may be, and working out of a shared space that provides you with all the same resources, just not so close to your boss. It makes we sense. call it the cloud. It's called it's called being in the cloud. It's waiting for you out there, Worcester. Brendan, thanks for another great show. Thanks for having me. Look at that. I'm Mike Benedetti. I've seen so many crazy limos today. There was a Humvee limo. Uh, this is the Five Boys Show. We'll be back hopefully more or less every week. We changed our schedule so that we're taping about a week ahead of our TV air date. So the news will be a little bit maybe better thought out. Talk to you next week. Bye.